When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy day before Friday uh, to you and yours. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, uh, doing well, recovering. Uh, Keep him in your thoughts and prayers. He's doing well, he'll be back. He's gonna rejoin us uh, very, very soon. Uh, Fantastic, awesome show planned for you today. Awesome show. Uh, Yesterday we had a marathon show. Went more than two hours yesterday. Uh, that was some smoke and fire uh, yesterday. <laughs> uh, smoke, fire, and harmony, I think, is what we had uh, yesterday. And today, a little tighter show. We're going to condense the show down a little bit. We're going to do that today and tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, my four and three Ball State Cardinals uh, are celebrating homecoming this weekend against uh, Miami of Ohio. Uh, They're coming to the Schumann Stadium. And I look forward to being there. Uh, (laughs) I've got a big weekend planned at Ball State, uh, heaven on earth in Funcie, Indiana. And so anyway, I don't know how, I just wanted to share that with you guys a little bit that I'm really looking forward to going home, visit with my mom, then go visit uh, my college and go look at some Ball State football, talk some football this weekend. Uh, and so I'm just in a football mindset and a football mood, and I have a fantastic fire starter uh, for today that uh, this is why you watch this show. What I'm about to unleash and unfurl here is why you watch this show, why you need to join the Fearless Army, why you need to tell your friends to join the Fearless Army, because I'm capable of providing you insight that no one else in the media can. There's a lot of people out here trying, but there's only one person who can deliver the goods and interpret athletes, the world of sports, American culture at large, in a unique, ahead-of-the-curve way that I do on a consistent basis, and you're about to see it in today's Firestarter. Uh, after I start this fire, we're going to go out to Los Angeles and bring in Steve Kim, my Asian brother uh, from another mother, the uh, smartest person talking about uh, sports in America, is perhaps Steve Kim. He's very clever, and I have a very clever Firestarter. We'll get into that, uh, and we'll also talk a little bit about uh, uh, the WNBA parade. I'll talk about that with uh, Steve Kim as well. I don't know if you saw the Chicago Skies victory parade. I mean, it was rather amazing. Uh, Magic Johnson took some heat over his comments about Kyrie Irving and the vaccine. We'll talk about that with Steve as well. Uh, But we're mostly going to talk about this fire that I'm going to start right now. Oh, before I do that, before I do that, honest to goodness, hit that subscribe, hit that notifications button, hit that likes, leave a comment, go to the live chat, leave a comment. I'm there. I respond. I was in there all last night. I I read virtually every comment you leave. And I know there were like maybe a thousand uh, comments left yesterday. I I read virtually all of them. Go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock and support this fearless army. Leave a comment that you're willing to be inducted into the fearless army, or if you're a young lady, you're willing to support the fearless army. We need soldiers. We gotta spread this movement. We're gonna give men their balls back. Cause we're not out here alone. There's others joining the fearless army. I don't even know if they know it. Let me get to this fire starter. At NFL superstar, Aaron Rodgers to the list of people inspired by Dave Chappelle's Netflix special, The Closer. On Tuesday, 
During his regular appearance on the Pat McAfee Show, the Packers quarterback and reigning NFL MVP went out of his way to attack the woke and cancel culture. When McAfee engaged Rodgers in a conversation about reaction to Rodgers' end zone celebration and taunting of Chicago Bears fan, the quarterback screamed, I own you, Rodgers pivoted to discussing his disdain for woke culture. Here's a clip of Rodgers, you know, kind of setting up the conversation. But when I got down to my knee and I looked up, all I could see in here was obscenities and I don't know, I just spur of the moment hit my mind. I talked about, you know, the blacking out idea. The blacking out is is just things happen that are on they're not planned. You know, I didn't plan on telling the crowd that I own them. There's always conversation between players and fans and and most opposing fans are like the Chicago fans, that it's not the happiest and friendliest of back and forths. Thank you. But I found out about it after the game and I realized that it was you know, probably gonna be a thing, not maybe as big a thing as it went to, you know, with, you know, some of the things that I saw, but I, that is the state of, of our media. And let me just, uh, <laughs> and, and really our culture, not just media, but that's the state of our culture, I think, uh, this this woke PC culture. Mm, uh, let, let's be clear here, though. The woke did not attack Aaron Rodgers for his in your face celebration. In fact, people celebrated it. I think Rodgers knows this. McAfee certainly does. He eventually told Rodgers that all he saw across social media were people praising Rodgers. Rodgers was clearly looking for an avenue to express his dislike of PC culture. He told McAfee how much he enjoyed appearing on his podcast because it gives him a platform to showcase his true personality and flexes intellectual chops. Political correctness, woke culture, and cancel culture are the dominant topics in American culture at large. Rogers wants to talk about it. My suspicion is Rogers wants to show support for Dave Chappelle, the Harriet Tubman of closeted real men. Chappelle is freeing the mentally enslaved. Rogers used McAfee's show as an underground railroad to intellectual freedom. Let's hear a little bit more from Aaron Rodgers with McAfee. There's a PC woke culture that exists and there's a cancel culture at the same time. And it's based on people's own feelings of maybe personal miserability or dis distaste for their own situations or life or just the enjoyment of holding other people down underneath their thumb. but. When you engage in this culture, you're immersed in it and you're, and you're in it so much. And then these uh, ridiculous sentiment, uh, sentiments and storylines and narratives get to drawn out about me about uh, pick a topic, you know, from, uh, you know, my family to uh, my leadership style to, you know, um, you know, and they just go on and on. And people start thinking, well, he hasn't responded to it, so it must be true. Right. Uh, and then. And they run with these stories, right? But then I, when I respond to it and set the record straight, when I finally said, okay, enough is enough. This thing has gotten so far and it's so ridiculous at this point that I'm being sensitive. You, you see what Rogers did there? He personalized his opinion and pointed out that he believes the sports media have leaned into false narratives about his personal life, his motives, and his leadership style. He insinuated the sports media have tried to cancel him and or diminish him with false narratives. It's what Rodgers did is clearly a bit of a stretch if you can't acknowledge Rodgers' true agenda. He was looking for an excuse to dump on cancel culture. Let's, let's think this through. McAfee is friends with Rodgers. What have friends, particularly guy friends with any type of sense of humor or whatever, and Pat McAfee, very irreverent, what have they been discussing over the past couple of two or three weeks? I suspect, like a lot of friends, McAfee and Rodgers have discussed the controversy surrounding Chappelle's last comedy special. Netflix employees staged a walkout on Wednesday. They want the streaming service to pull Chappelle's show. They believe the closer is hostile towards transgender people. They want Dave Chappelle canceled. 
This is my suspicion. Rogers wanted to support Chappelle or Chappelle's point of view without putting himself and the Packers organization in the crosshairs of the BLM, LGBTQ, CRT, Alphabet Mafia. Aaron Rodgers is smart. He found a way to express his opinion without inviting unnecessary and distracting controversy. Take a listen to, here's another clip from Rodgers and he talks a little bit about comedy. Take a listen. A game within the game, right? And in this game, there's a player and there's a game. And if the player abides by the rules of the game, he's a part of the game. Now the rules of the game are that you must acquiesce with the woke mob at all times. You must. However, when you live above the game, the game does not exist. And Pat, that's where I'm at. These things, I realize them, I see them, but I'm not a part of this game that's being played. This game is being played out by these, these individuals, and I see it, I hear it, but to me, it's comedy. Are we getting that soft as a society that we can't have <laughs> work now? I mean, you know, somebody can, somebody can pay for a ticket and say whatever the hell they want, which I think they should be able to, that's fine. But the one time you say something back to them, that gets caught on it, that gets caught on the hot mic, which, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that gets said from time to time. Now it's that, you know, I've disrespected, you know, an entire city and organization and my own organization. The key word in all of that was when he said comedy, it's comedy to him. Or is it a comedy special, The Closer? Rogers is playing the game in the game within the game at the highest level. He went on to say, back when I first got in the league and when I grew up watching it, I feel like trash talk was a little more normalized. You didn't have to apologize if you said something that offended a few people in a city. You didn't have to apologize if you offended people. What Dave Chappelle, what's he complaining about? Having to apologize for cracking jokes that offend people. I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers is channeling his inner Dave Chappelle. Aaron Rodgers is moving way up on my list of favorite NFL players and quarterbacks. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I've been heartbroken. I've been devastated by Patrick Mahomes swallowing and promoting the entire woke agenda. The entire woke agenda. I've been disappointed that Tom Brady hasn't spoken up on behalf of people reluctant to take the COVID vaccine. I think Brady really believes in the COVID vaccine, but he hadn't said a word. Most of these professional athletes live in fear of the social media mobs. Rogers? and Lamar unvaccinated Jackson, my two favorite quarterbacks and NFL players right now. Hope they face each other in the Super Bowl. If it happens, I'm not sure who I'd root for. Rodgers' interview with McAfee is absolutely amazing. I'm gonna play you one more clip, <laughs> and this really hit home with me. Take a listen to this. But I'm not a victim either. I'm not a victim. I don't look at myself as a victim or I don't want people to feel bad for me because of uh, the spotlight that I'm in and the platform that I have and the, and the scrutiny that comes with it. I accept all of it. I really do. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I just think that it is, for me, helps me to uh, keep sane when I can recognize and point out that there is this culture that exists that gets off, I think, on... Uh, shrinking people, keeping them small, keeping them in a box, uh, quieting them through uh, cancelization or demeaning comments. And that I also exist outside of that in a different realm where um, I do feel confident in things I say and I do stand behind what I do. And I like to speak the truth and I'm not a part of this, uh, you know, uh, woke uh, cancel culture that gets off on uh, trying to silence people all the time. Mm. All of that music to my ears, and I know that Aaron Rodgers in the past has played woke. 
He, he played the little BLM game like everybody else did because it, you'd get run out of the, the NFL or you'd be accused of being uh, racist if you're a white quarterback in the NFL and you didn't play woke and you didn't pretend like the whole Black Lives Matter thing is the most important thing in the world and that the, that the police are out here just trying to kill random black men, particularly if they're high on fentanyl. Aaron Rodgers just manned up. And we can thank Dave Chappelle for Aaron Rodgers manning up. Th that's what I believe. Again, Aaron Rodgers hadn't said that, but I'm t if you go watch that interview, and I watched the entire Pat McAfee interview, it was crystal clear to me what has moved Aaron Rodgers. And he went out of his way. I mean, that was such a forced conversation because again, him telling Chicago Bears fans, I own you and all that other stuff, it didn't have anything to do with that. There was no backlash. The mob didn't come after Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wanted to come on and wave a flag to everybody like, I ain't down with this woke cancel culture. He wanted to make that point. And I'm so proud of him. I'm so happy. I Hats off to Pat McAfee for giving him the platform. Hats off to Dave Chappelle for creating the space for men to come out of the closet and say what we really think. A lot of this stuff that's been going on is P-U-S-S-Y. See, I'm trying not to cuss, but it is. That's what it is, it's P-U-S-S-Y. You can't even talk trash anymore. And, 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 get, and, and Rodgers is also, remember, We've had NFL players talk trash on the field and then have to issue apologies in public. Oh, I hope I didn't hurt anyone. This has all got to stop. All this, oh God, I hope I don't hurt your feelings. It's all got to stop. Life is a rough and tumble place. Feelings are going to get hurt. If there, no pain, no gain. Brilliant stuff from Aaron Rodgers. Uh, before I roll out to Los Angeles and bring in uh, Steve Kim and get his take, I want to tell you guys about my friends at NetSuite. Slow is, is just right if you're on vacation. A sloth or describing QuickBooks, uh, more like slow books. Now is the time to make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books fast, no matter how big your business grows. Without NetSuite, you'll be stuck trying to make sense of your books while your competitors sprint ahead. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control by switching to NetSuite. So if you want to take your business to the next level and do it fast, then you need to get to NetSuite right now. Special financing is back. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to switch today. Head to netsuite.com fearless right now. That's special financing at netsuite.com fearless. That's netsuite.com fearless. Support our sponsors, support this point of view, support NetSuite by going to netsuite.com fearless. All right, uh, let's roll out to Los Angeles and bring in the Asian Howard Cosell of, of Sports Talk, uh, Mr. Cosell, Steve Kim. Uh, what do you think of my uh, suspicion that Aaron Rodgers has been motivated and inspired by Dave Chappelle? First of all, great fire starter, and I agree with you. I don't know if he was directly talking about Chappelle. I know some will argue with that, but there seemed to be a deeper subtext to what he was saying. And that one clip that you played, Jason, where he said there's a game and then there's a player, and if you don't play within the confines of that game, you're not a player anymore. Well, I'm not playing that game. I thought that was brilliant. That's the one that really stood out to me. That was his way of saying uh, this is not about football. This is not even about sports, This, but this is about cultural norms and what is accepted and what is forced upon people and look he's been on target many many times but no pass was ever as accurate as that and jason i was as i'm listening to you i thought about one thing go back to last year what you've described as the summer of floyd 
George Floyd. And one of his contemporaries at the time, his last year in the National Football League, Drew Brees, Hall of Famer, all-time great, the face of the New Orleans Saints, had done so many things for that community, financially, spiritually, emotionally. He makes a comment that, hey, you know, I'd, I'd just rather not kneel for the flag based on my ancestors, this, this, and that. And you would have thought that he was wearing a, wearing a KKK hoodie and put a uh, burning uh, cross on someone's lawn. And then all of a sudden, he bent the knee that by the end of the summer, he's wearing the nameplate of Jacob Blake on his helmet. And, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, he really bent. And let, let's be honest about Jacob Blake. He's the type of guy that every player in the NFL, if they were dating your sister, you'd be horrified. Okay? But look at the, look at the way that Drew Brees had to go out there and acquiesce. And this was Aaron Rodgers' declaration, in my view, is, hey, last summer uh, I tried to get with the movement. I wanted to appease my teammates. But at this point, I don't give a damn. I'm that good. You're going to have to accept it. That's who I am. And that's why I love this analogy to Dave Chappelle, because when you're in that rare air, and, and I know people will probably interpret Aaron Rodgers saying being above the game as arrogant. And look how arrogant and narcissistic Aaron Rodgers is. But when there is a rare air you reach when you're Dave Chappelle and it's like, no, I'm the best comedian working right now and maybe the best comedian of all time. And so you know what? I'm going to take the status that I have and completely liberate myself and say whatever the hell it is I think and see if y'all can cancel me. And what Aaron Rodgers and I think other people are noticing is like, well, if you don't play the game, they can't cancel you. And Aaron Rodgers is right there with Dave Chappelle as Aaron Rodgers said, you know what, I'm the best quarterback in the game playing right now. And for a time, people thought maybe I was the greatest of all time. I'm in a rare space, particularly at age 37. I've got two, $300 million in the bank. I can say exactly what I think and they can't cancel me. And particularly if I do it in a very clever way in the way in which he executed it with, with Pat McAfee. Because I, I'm just, there's just, Aaron Rodgers is too smart, Pat McAfee's too smart to, to think that he's making these comments about cancel culture and pretending like him saying, I own you to Chicago Bears fans, that people were trying to cancel him. He knows those things don't add up, that it, it, it's too incongruent, they're incompatible. He clearly, in my view, had a calculated discussion <clears throat> with Pat McAfee about what he wanted to unpack. That's why he, I thought, when he made the point to how grateful he is to have this platform to show a different side of himself, I, 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 I just think it was, it was wonderful. I think it was strategic. I think it was smart. Again, because if, if he came out and said, man, I really love Dave Chappelle's uh, comedy special, you'd have the Alphabet Mafia outside of Lambeau Field, outside of Packers headquarters, uh, protesting and people, he'd be this controversial, polarizing figure. He just uh, took a dump on the transgender community and we need to cancel Aaron Rodgers. He got to say everything he wanted to say, make his point about cancel culture without giving the other side an opportunity to try to cancel him. The guy is playing the game at a higher well, level. Well, Jason, so the question then becomes, did Aaron Rodgers pull off a quarterback sneak or was this a play action fake? Putting that aside, a uh, couple things. <laughs> like, like you said, Aaron Rodgers has leverage and he has options, and those two things are built in. Look, in the offseason, this guy was doing many other things that had nothing to do with football, becoming a pop culture icon. He's more than just a player. He's a brand. He's an entity. He has a peculiar personality. He's an iconoclast. I actually like the point where he said, you got to toughen up. Look, he doesn't really like his playing conditions right now. It's obvious he's not happy with the Green Bay Packers. But after a disastrous week one, he said, you know what? I got to toughen up here and I got to be Aaron Rodgers, a premier quarterback, one of the best that's ever done it. And the last four or five weeks, he's been great. 
and the Packers, once again, will contend for the NFC. And that's what I really love about Aaron Rodgers is that he has some guts, but a lot of players do not prepare um, for their next stage of their life. And this was very strategic. You talk about how Aaron Rodgers made the strategic decision to speak out about Chappelle through this show. I actually think it goes deeper now that I think about it, because from my understanding is Aaron Rodgers specifically told Pat McAfee, based, I think, on an appearance he made on a show a while ago, and he said, I like this guy. This guy's like-minded. He's bright. He's not part of the mainstream media. I could use that as my forum, because let's be honest, Jason, if he said this at a regular press conference or a conference call with the regular beat reporters, you know there would have been pushback or guys would have been clutching their pearls, and and all of a sudden he would have come under an onslaught of questions about how can you think that, how can you be so insensitive? But on that show, for an ironic term, he found a safe space where he could just pontificate his thoughts and let people know, look, this is who I am. Uh, like it or leave it, but I'm staying here. And I think this also goes all the way back to saying to Pat McAfee, let's do a regular segment on your show. Well, I think they've been doing that on Tuesdays. Yeah. And and the, the thing, Steve, I that you just hit on, next stage of his life. And so Aaron Rodgers wants to continue playing football. But I also think he doesn't want to con- he doesn't want to allow the media to continue to frame him as a bad person or an unlikable person or a polarizing person. Yeah, he's working on his likability. And one of the comments he made in there was like, you know, I think most of what I think is normal is what normal people think. Yes. And so he's trying to appeal to the everyman and beat back this narrative that he's some sort of bad guy and he's some sort of narcissist and none of his teammates. And and he talked about like, look, in my private life, I like to keep things private. And earlier in my career, I wouldn't have been saying these things that I'm saying now, but he now feels like at 37 and where he's at in his career, he can reveal a bit more of himself. But I think it's setting himself up Uh, for the next stage of his life because listening to this and I know this had nothing to do with with football his conversation about cancel culture and all that but but listening to him articulate and show this side of himself and present himself in a way that kind of an everyman and more likable I sit there and go oh my god this guy's a NFL broadcaster a potential Monday Night Football host or replace Chris Collinsworth at NBC in five or six years. You know, he's got all the MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. He would be a better version of Tony Romo, potentially, as long as he's seen as likable. And and so I, do, I, I think all of what he's doing with Pat McAfee is very strategic. It's probably very strategic on Pat McAfee's part. Yes. And that, to me, might be the bigger play. Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers uh, with a play-by-play man doing Monday Night Football. Remember, Pat McAfee was trying to get in the arena for that, and maybe he's going to build a partnership with Aaron Rodgers where they're broadcasting partners together. Because, again, this doesn't even think about Monday Night Football. It's like Amazon and all these other people are starting to bid for the NFL. I, I see Aaron Rodgers thinking way far down the road in terms of how do I make $15, $20 million a year as a broadcaster when my football career is over. Right, but Jason, here's what I think. He might actually be trying to start his own platform. Ownership is incredibly powerful because at the end of the day, you have no one to report to but yourself. And think about it. A lot of things he said would not fly at these legacy corporate media entities, whether it's ESPN, CNN, MSNBC, And I don't know if he fits that agenda or if he fits within those lines. He might be saying to him and Pat, Pat, why don't me and you start something, own the show, brand the show and monetize it? And we can control our own content, much the way you have, Jason, here at The Blaze, that you decided, hey, look, uh, I've been at other networks. I've made a lot of money. I'm okay with money, but I want to take a risk. But I want to eventually be able to talk about the subjects that I want to touch upon on a daily basis. Let's be very honest, Jason. While you may have had power and influence at these other places, you never had complete autonomy in terms of subject matter. There was always limitations and restrictions on what you can say. 
right there, Aaron Rodgers, for that 15, 20 minutes where you're saying those things, I'm not so sure any broadcast entity, that would have been kosher. Let's just be very honest about that. Tell me this, where have you been on Aaron Rodgers? I feel like, and I'm trying to remember what my thoughts about Aaron Rodgers have been in the past. I'm going to go have to check and see what I've written in columns. I felt like I have that I haven't been as negative as some, but I do feel like I was somewhat influenced uh, by the negative narrative about Aaron Rodgers. And in this single, and again, it's about 30, 40 minute interview with Pat McAfee. The guy totally won me over and I'm totally uh, team Aaron Rodgers. And I'm talking about, you know, whatever's going on with him and his family, uh, hats off to him or I need to stay out of that because I, family relationships when people are that kind of wealthy are very complicated as we've seen with Britney Spears and countless other mm-hmm. uh, celebrities. I, I, I Have you always liked Aaron Rodgers and been a team Rodgers guy? Yes, and I'll go way back, way before Green Bay. I still remember him as his relatively unknown J.C. quarterback who went to Cal under the direction of Jeff Tedford. And in 2003, he was actually a co-starter with this guy named Reggie Robertson. And they handed USC their one loss in 2003. And I remember Rodgers used to really hold the ball up high. And I thought that was really peculiar, but that's the way Tedford taught it. And I said, man, that guy's really accurate. And it was in 2004 when I said, this guy's one of the most accurate passers I've ever seen. And I remember his precipitous fall in the green room from the number one pick all the way to 25. But... Rodgers, to me, in the last, let's say, 12 years since he became the starting quarterback, I believe it was in 2008 for the Green Bay Packers, I'm not a Packer fan, but I'm about as big a Rodgers advocate as you can find, that anytime the Packers are on, and as long as number 12 is behind center doing what he does, I watch. For me, he's been must-see TV. Nothing against the Packers or their fan base. If suddenly Jordan Love became their starting quarterback, I'm not so sure I'd ever watch another Packer game. He's one of the most arm talent guys I've ever seen. When you talk about what is arm talent, I've explained this before. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's made throws. He's made plays that have never been made before. He changes the game in a lot of different ways. And in my own mind, he may not admit it. He doesn't really want to talk about it. He needs another Super Bowl or two to really secure his legacy as one of the all-time greats. Yes, I'm Team Rodgers from the very beginning, Jason. Let me ask you another about another person then, because I was I didn't have a real opinion on Pat McAfee. I've been impressed from afar. Like, hey, look what he's done. Former NFL punter. Uh, and, and so it's been kind of interesting, but I didn't have an opinion one way or the other. This was the first time I think I've sat down and watched and or listened to 40, 45 minutes of content from uh, Pat McAfee. And, and probably, I was probably, I'm, I'm more impressed with the opportunity and what I think happened behind the scenes in order for Rogers to unpack the discussion he unpacked more than I was impressed with uh, McAfee as a broadcaster. But I, get, I leave this deal going, man, Pat McAfee is a really unique person and is doing something really unique and potentially powerful uh, himself. What was your opinion or what is your opinion on Pat McAfee? It's interesting. There's never been a punter uh, post-career that's had a big broadcasting career on a national level that I know of. I mean, it, there was never a Ray Guy show. Uh, there was never the Reggie <laughs> Roby uh, variety hour. Okay, But Pat McAfee has a great personality. He's very funny. He could fit in a lot of different ways. He actually does some color commentary, I believe, some college football. Where he really stood out, Jay, and we've talked about the Peyton and Eli show on ESPN Plus and ESPN2, out of all the guests that they brought on, and I believe it was like the second or third week, Pat McAfee fit in seamlessly. He was the best fit. And I said to myself, that guy's good. He should probably get bigger stages. Again, you're going to have to overcome the fact, are punters football players? Are they real football players? And would he be accepted as, like, let's say, most former players would be? Look, if you stuck in any former quarterback, no matter what the level of play was, as a color commentator, there'd be credibility. I don't know how that would work for a punter, 
But Pat McAfee seems like a man's man. There seems to be a lot of masculinity there. He's fun. He's humorous. So Pat McAfee, to me, uh, just the fact that he could do a show uh, on his own volition and take time to do it, because I know what it takes for a lot of these guys. They get lazy. They don't work hard. I just respect the grind. And, yes, he has a really pleasing winning personality. Steve, I got to tell you, I, I gotta be, I'm impressed with myself and you in terms of what we just did. We took, I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm sorry if people get upset with me, but, but I'm t- this is why people need to watch this show. No one has had the take on this uh, Chappelle or this Aaron Rodgers comments and took the conversation where we just did. No one else can do that there's a bunch of people out here talking about sports and a bunch of people unloaded opinions on what Aaron Rodgers just did and what he said on Pat McAfee's show. I don't think any of them got where we just went. No, and they certainly didn't have a Reggie Roby reference. Let's just put it that way. Anytime (laughs) I could break in Reggie Roby. Because most people would punt the subject. We went to Reggie Roby and Ray Guy. Come on. Yeah, we did. All right, so let me move you on to uh, a more humorous topic. Uh, Did you see the Chicago Sky uh, WNBA parade? Uh, I think we have a video. uh, And and I'm not sure if this video is fair, but it's gone viral. Uh, Let's play the video. Yeah, that's that's the video that's gone viral uh, all over social media. Uh, all these buses rented with security, uh, SUVs behind them to protect the Chicago sky from these massive crowds. I, I will say in all fairness, I went to the Chicago Sun-Times, I went to the Chicago Tribune and saw pictures that did look like four or 5,000 people were at the actual uh, celebration when they wherever the parade was going to the stage. It looked like there had to be four or 5,000 people at their celebratory party. Although, let's say if there were 4,000 people of them, uh, 500 of them were people with cameras in the media, uh, <laughs> all there taking. And, and my, my takeaway from all of this is just like, we've set up this ridiculous standard that, and the Chicago Time, Sun-Times story that I read, start the first sentence out of it was, just like all the other Chicago's championship teams, the Chicago uh, Sky had a parade and victory celebration or whatever. And, 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 and all I just kept thinking, we got to live in this fantasy world that the whole city of Chicago was mesmerized by the Chicago Sky's WNBA championship. And that their WNBA championship is a big deal to Chicago, and it's such a big deal. We had a parade and and all this, and it's like this fantasy world that we have to live in that I, I just think is a disservice to them. It's a disservice to reality. Uh, the WNBA just isn't that popular. It doesn't, when the University of Connecticut wins another women's college basketball title, or Baylor does, or, or Stanford wins women's, they should have a parade in those cities uh, where actually winning a title in college basketball for women actually is a big deal. The WNBA teams, should be satisfied with the welfare checks they're getting from the NBA and leave it at that. Jason, I I have a question. If you could just drive buses down the street unimpeded with nobody there, isn't that just called driving through traffic? Uh, The the other thing is, uh, I'm sure Lori Lightfoot must really have approved of the social distancing that took place for that parade. The other thing is, looking at that um, that, that whole scene, it kind of reminded me of a line. Yeah. I, I went through this when I first got to ESPN. It's my first month there. It was the last HBO card for boxing. They decided to close up shop. We're getting out of the business. So instead of traveling or watching Teofimo Lopez and Vasil Lomachenko, the card that I wanted to cover, they make me go down to the Carson well, it used to be called the StubHub Center, to cover this card that was headlined by a couple female fighters, including Clarissa Shields, who I'm no fan of. And I said on Twitter that day, I was like, this is a terrible way for HBO to go out. No one cares about women's boxing, and there's no one going to be there. 
for three hours, I got inundated from all these people talking about how much popularity women's boxing has. You're wrong. You're being misogynistic. You're being sexist. You just watch. So anyway, I get there that night and it was like a ghost town. Think about a funeral. Well, no one shows up. And one of my tweets, I got a lot of people pissed off at me as I'm looking at this uh, venue. It's a tennis stadium, about 8,000 capacity. And I texted or tweeted, you could throw hand grenades into the stands right now and you wouldn't hurt anybody. And that, that's the reality of most women's sports. And people got mad at me. Clarissa Seals to this day thinks I hate her. It may not be that far off. I just don't like watching her fight. And it, it brings about another subject that's more serious. We talk about the support of women's sports. Here's what I don't like is when they point the finger at men for being misogynistic, sexist, and not giving it a shot. And, and I say, you know what? You may be right. But here's the issue. Last I checked, about half this population are females, right? Biologically, they're females. They'll admit it. They don't like women's sports either. I mean, Jason, you'd be surprised how many female boxing fans that I know that actually go to fights, pay for tickets, get the pay-per-views. I've hung out with them. And guess what? When you ask them about women's boxing, it's just not their cup of tea. That's the thing that's never actually written about when they try to shove women's sports and, and have this false narrative or this agenda about how popular it is. It really isn't. I mean, I would love to see the social postings of Katie Nolan and Megan Rapino. Did they actually talk about the parade at all yesterday? Did they utter one word? I'd actually be curious to know. Here's what the other side of the argument would be, and I'm just making it to play devil's advocate, is that women and men haven't been socially conditioned to like women's boxing or women's basketball or some of these other women's sports. And that once we spend 15, 20, 30, 40 years conditioning people to love those sports, we will. And that what they'll point to is like, look at women's soccer. Look, the women's national soccer team is a bigger deal than the men's. And all we have to do, it may be 100 years, it may be your grandkids, grandkids, uh, but eventually, everybody's going to love women's boxing and it's going to be just as popular and everybody's going to love the WNBA, even though it's always going to be an inferior product to the NBA. Once we condition men and women to love to see human beings with vaginas dunk the basketball, uh, the sport's just going to take off. Okay. For that to happen, Let's lower the rim to about eight feet because outside of one person that could barely get the ball over the rim, they're, they're not David yeah. Thompson. They're not Dominic Wilkins. OK, uh, look, when I watch basketball, the rare times I do, and I actually used to be a very big fan, believe it or not. The one thing that amazes me about the upper levels of professional basketball with men is the sheer size and athleticism and the ability to play above the rim. When you look at women's basketball, the movements are not as fluid, which is okay, because they're still better than me. But that's not the standard. To be better than Steve Kim at basketball or any other sport, that's not what I'm looking for. I, I want supermen. I want outliers. I want guys that could do things I could possibly never do from a physical standpoint. And that's why I watch. And, and my, my point is, look, when you go to the NBA All-Star Weekend, I'm watching the slam dunk contest. I don't I don't care about the WNBA layup contest. I, I really don't. And I, I know that's going to sound bad, but I'm just being honest about it. If you ask most people, would you rather watch the NBA or the WNBA? Let, let's be honest about it. There might be a few outliers, a, a few anomalies that say, hey, look, I like the WNBA. I love those crisp bounce passes. Uh, but everyone is going to say NBA. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, Jason, if there was an Asian Basketball Association, okay, I wouldn't watch it because it'd be a bunch of short guys that dribble too much doing a cheap impersonation of Steph Curry. That, I mean, honestly, I, I just would look at this going, this is an inferior product. It, it wouldn't move me one bit or the other. But, you know, the other thing is about those photos that you talked about, and, and I've seen some other videos. Some of those photos seem to be cropped. Uh, and edited like Instagram models. I'd be very careful about what's being shown out there, Jason. <laughs> no question about it. I'm going to tell you the other thing, just to keep it all the way real. I don't like NBA players that are all tatted up. Hmm. I mean, I, I, it, it just, I don't like. And so, but 
WNBA players like Brittany Griner <laughs> who are slathered in tattoos. I'm just, I find it repulsive. It's an yeah. instant channel changer for me. I don't want to, again, if, if, if I don't want to see women do a bad imitation of men. And that's what the WNBA is. It's a bad imitation of a male league. I, I, I just don't want to see, and I don't have any problem with female athletes or female basketball players, and particularly high school. And I was my high school basketball team when I was growing up a kid. We had this player, Linda Godby, who was an All-American, went on to play at Auburn. Loved, loved that team. Loved following. Loved co- women's college basketball, but the the WNBA, it, it's just. And, and again, the college and the high school thing is about tradition and all that other stuff. The WNBA is a welfare league that hasn't turned a nickel's profit in how many, 20 some odd years of, of competition. Uh, and, and these parades and all this thing, just shoving it down our face. And I mean, the sports centers tweeting out. And then, then I don't know if you caught this one, and I wish I had asked for this clip, but Holly Rowe did something very interesting at the end of uh, the WNBA championship, the, the deciding game. Uh, I think Candace Parker had a big fourth quarter and was instrumental in the sky winning. And she's standing there, I think, thinking she's about to get interviewed by Holly Rowe. And Holly Rowe goes, no, 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 no. Uh, let's bring the married couple in. And there's two Sky players who are married to each other, and they interviewed them. And so it wasn't even, it wasn't about the people who actually decided the game on the court. It was about, let's, it would almost been the same as like, let's, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson just got married. Let's bring them on and interview them. I know Draymond (laughs) Green hit the winning shot. But let's bring uh, Steph and, and Clay on because they just got married. Guys, talk about winning this game as a married couple. I, I'm, I'm just not, that's not why I tune in. It's, well, it's Jay, not why, and I don't think it's why most sports fans tune in. Jake, three points there. Number one, the old joke is um, I dropped four tickets of my WNBA uh, tickets on the curb. When I came back a half hour later, there was 12 of them. That's the other joke. The other, the other thing is... <laughs> I I got a different one. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I once went out to my car and my windshield was smashed in and there were WNBA tickets laying there. We're going to get into a lot of trouble with this. We're going to get into a lot of trouble. So so then when people say, men don't support the WNBA, and I said, yes, yes, they do. And I give them three letters, the NBA, because without them, there is no league. The other thing is to get a little more serious on this, Jason. Last year, they were big on the social justice. And I bring up the name of Jacob Blake again. They wore the shirts with the seven bullet holes to signify what he went through. Um, and they went through this whole thing of basically pointing the finger at much of America saying, you're racist. Well, that turns off a lot of people. So that even if you are just a normal everyday citizen who has good intentions, just living their lives, you're going to be turned off by that messaging. That, that's the reality of it. I mean, think about this. And Last year, I understood why it had to be done. But in most sporting events, Jay, to be fair, I don't see any of that. I mean, think about it. Week one, I know you were peeved by the Black National Anthem being played. There's no coverage of that. Guys are just playing their games. There's really no one kneeling that I know of. Guys are just getting back to business, entertaining us, and you see what's happening to the NFL ratings. I read somewhere that the top 33 uh, television programs in terms of the Nielsen's all NFL games. And so, look, I get what happened last year, that there had to be a message sent, or that's what they believed. But the WNBA went so far above and beyond reality that it actually, even people that were maybe on the fence, they jumped off that fence real quickly. Well, the point you're making is why you got to quit bending over and handing people things. And, And literally, like, the WNBA and their players are some of the most entitled people on the planet. They've been overpaid and in a league that does not work and millions of dollars keeps getting funneled to them. 
out of sympathy and out of some sense of guilt and out of some far-fetched wish, uh, goal, that someday people are going to want to enjoy, are going to enjoy seeing uh, Brittany Griner barely dunk the basketball. And, and, and we're all going to celebrate and we're all going to look the other way when Brittany Griner beats up her wife or whatever. None of that matters. And, and so uh, again, the, the hypocrisy of some of the most pampered people on the planet who exist in the WNBA because of the niceness of men in America. And they want to turn around and say, oh, America's racist because Jacob Blake tried to uh, go sexually harass a woman he's already sexually assaulted and was dumb enough to pull a knife on the cops and chase the cops back to four kids in the back of a car. Uh, America's racist. And what happened to Jacob Blake is proof that America's racist. I mean, just, just stop it. I mean, because I'm just, and that's my thing. If these guys actually had to go out here and earn, if they had to kill what they ate, or yeah, kill what they eat, they wouldn't have time to be running around pointing a finger at America and pretending that Jacob Blake and George Floyd are proof that America is the worst place on the planet. If, if they had to ante up in a real way and earn this, and, and, and not be handed parades and all and Let me stop, because I'm, I'm just getting myself further and further <laughs> into trouble. And, uh, we're gonna end on this note, Steve. I don't know if you caught this, but Magic Johnson uh, had some interesting things to say about uh, Kyrie Irving. And uh, a woman, I think, a woman named Megan McGlover had a pretty interesting response. I wanna play the clip and then get your response. You have said to your teammates, I'm going to be there for you. Mm. Well, you can't be there if you don't get vaccinated. You're letting them down. And then that hurts our chances of winning the championship. I would never do that to my teammates. You know, this is almost too easy. It's almost too easy. So so you wanted to make sure that, you know, if if you were playing today, that you would be there for your team. You couldn't even put on a condom for your team last time. When you was playing, you really the shot. You couldn't even put on a condom for your teammates and for your number one teammate, which was your wife. But now you want to sit up here and tell people how they supposed to be loyal to their team? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? And I just want to ask a quick question, real quick, ain't being for you long. I want to ask a quick question. Black people, are you tired yet? Is it just me? Or does it seem like they are really trying to single you out? I'm just wondering, because I, I, I where is Aaron Rodgers? And Brady, and uh, TJ Wyatt, and and uh, Nicola, Nic- Nic- Nicola, whatever his name is, and Duncan Robinson, and all, where are the rest of these people? Where, where is... It, it, did all the white people take the shot? That's my question. Let's start there. Did all the white people, let's leave Magic alone for a second while he while he was playing. They let your ass play in the NBA. You rubbing AIDS and shit all over people. Skin to skin contact. We ain't gonna talk about that, okay? But uh, I wanna know, has all the white people in every sport, in every team playing sport, have they all taken it? Let's start there. Because if they have not all taken it, if they have not all taken it, then I would like to know why you're not applying pressure on these people. Where's the pressure, ho? Because I know you're not just trying to save black people, are you? Uh, you couldn't possibly just be trying to save black people. You want everybody to be safe. You want everybody to be saved. Why don't you apply some pressure on somebody else? First of all, I want to set the record straight like Cole Beasley, Kirk Cousins, they've taken some heat for not taking the vaccine, so there have been some white, but that was pretty hilarious. Magic, you couldn't even put a condom on. And you're talking about protecting the team. You couldn't put a condom on. And you know what's comical, Steve, is Magic Johnson, for a long time, before Tiger Woods, was my all-time, 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 all-time favorite athlete. As a kid, I lived and died with Magic Johnson. Ever since he quit playing basketball, every time I turn around, he does something 
that diminishes my feelings about him as an athlete. I, I just, and, and Jay, your thoughts. A couple things. The second part of her riff, I think is actually rooted in a lot of seriousness. That part, I was like, ooh, good point. Now, the first part, oh, my God. I, I mean, look, people are going to say it's a false equivalency. You can't compare the two. Yeah, I get it. It's not a perfect one. Maybe it is. But uh, what Magic said, and this dovetails into what you just stated, that's the worst monologue he's had since the Magic Hour. Wow. That was <laughs> bad, bro. And, and that's the thing. Remember the Magic Hour, the 15 shows it was on? That was literally yeah. – the worst moment he had since the 84 finals that he personally blew for my beloved Lakers. I mean, I remember I remember the poor white guy that was his co-host, Craig Shoemaker. His career, in the words of Mike Tyson, went to Bolivian. And then they brought in Tommy Davidson after like a month. He did the impossible. He made Tommy Davidson not funny. And in fact, the only time the show was entertaining where you actually laughed was when Howard Stern came on there. And it was like the invasion of Normandy. Because Howard wanted to talk about the Lakers sex parties, the orgies, the green room, the forum ring card girls. And it got so bad that I remember – I actually, on my, my, my collection of VHS tapes, which is a lot of Miami Hurricane games and boxing matches, the Howard Stern invasion of the Magic Hours on there, it got so bad, Jay, that for the last 20 minutes, they just told Sheila E., play Glamorous Life. Let's get the hell out of here. That was the highlight of the Magic Hour. <laughs> And you're right. And Magic, when it comes to Twitter, I love Magic. I Like, he's my favorite Laker of all time. But, jeez, he's Captain Obvious in the worst ways. So, yeah, I'm with you, Jay. That's all I have to say about that. Let, let me ask you, <laughs> let, let's end on this. Because you brought up the Howard Stern deal. And I literally, before you started talking about Howard Stern, I wrote that down. Uh, and, and we used to call the Magic Hour the Tragic Hour. Yes. Uh, yes. And years ago, at the, I, I remember I was working in Ann Arbor and I wrote a column about it. And I started the We Be Wanting Magic Off the Air movement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Magic's language was so butchered. But, but here's the question I want to ask Howard Stern, I remember him just dogging Magic Johnson out. Yes. And just dogging that show. And I remember him coming on the show and saying it all to Magic's face. If the magic hour were going right now, what would Howard Stern say? What would media Whoa. critics say? I think they would all be so terrified of being called racist, no one would say a word. There's no doubt. Look, Howard Stern used to be the ultimate renegade. Now he's establishment. He's living in this ivory tower, uh, bitching and moaning about people that don't have the vaccine. And he's not the guy that was in 1993. Uh, going back to the Magic Hour, I believe that show took place in 98 or 99. It had a very, very short-lived run. And you're right. Magic was kind of protected back then. because It was, was before nice then, person. Steve. Now, was it was it before really? 98 and 99. Yeah, I'm positive. Because I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. This had to be uh, 92 or 93. Are you, I'm going to look so up on the me, internet. I don't think so because he retired in 91 because he came out with the HIV uh, virus. And then he came pretty back positive, Steve. into the Lakers in 95, 96, halfway through the year. I'm telling you, I think it was a little bit after his second run with the Lakers, which didn't really end up very good either. I'm just telling you, it was late 90s. Mm -mm, Trust me, I'm a, magic, yeah, I'm a magic hour historian, Jay. Come on. I remember writing the column, we be wanting magic off the air. Oh my God, you're right. I told this is why you bring me on and pay me the big bucks. I am not Craig Shoemaker. I'm not Tommy Davidson. This is what, I'm the Asian Ed McMahon. That's what I do. 1998. I know what did I tell you? I must have been in Kansas City when I wrote that column. Yes, but the spirit of the column was right on. Yeah. God, that was bad. That was bad. Right. Bad. <laughs> Steve, I'm going to let you go. See you uh, later. <laughs> who, 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 who you like in college football this weekend? I told you Iowa was a fraud. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I didn't want to bring that up. Um, the game that I'm looking at, West Coast, UCLA, Oregon. UCLA could salvage a really good year. And if Oregon still wants to remain in the national title hunt, 
because they only have one loss. They got to win at the Rose Bowl. Big game. Also, you know, my personal interest, Miami, I want Manny Diaz out of there. Go NC State. Do us a solid Dave Dorn. Come on. Do it for me. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. And uh, I believe that's it, and that's all for us today. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to go in-depth with uh, Quick Draw. Shamok Show, Shamika Michelle. Uh, we're going to get into her life story. I've been promising you guys that all week after she uh, told us <laughs> the story about what happened to her as an 18-year-old kid. I want to go in-depth. I want to understand Shamika a bit better. And uh, we'll do that here uh, tomorrow. All right, that's it, and that's all for us. Enjoy tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all want to be free. We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want